that's because my relationship with God has gotten so much better because I'm like, I don't fucking need you to like me. I have, I have a best friend right here. I have someone that will always have my back no matter what. I don't need your approval. That was Vasavi Kumar. And this is The Share Podcast. It's time for The Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, Oh. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Share Podcast, and today we have Vasavi Kumar joining us on the show, and Vasavi's story is unbelievable. Here you have a woman who is very accomplished, has done so much work as a therapist, as a coach, as a community leader. She's been on TV. She's got a huge YouTube following and Facebook following. And last year had a horrendous relapse that shook her world to the ground. And this is Vasavi today getting vulnerable and sharing about the struggles that she faced in marriage, in divorce, in addiction. And she's even launched a brand new podcast where many of the topics are just simply about being human. So let's dive into Vasavi's episode, but first, a quick message from our sponsor. Picture this, you're at work or your office or running your business, and you feel confident, fulfilled, successful. Now, imagine this, going home after work and feeling safe, comfortable, and relaxed. And now, imagine being with your family and feeling happiness, joy, and love. Now, how does that sound to you? How does that make you feel? Now imagine that every single day, you feel confident, successful, fulfilled, safe, comfortable, relaxed, happiness, joy, and love. Can you picture it? Can you imagine what that would feel like? Of course you can. My name is Omar Pinto, and if you're listening to this right now and saying to yourself, that's the life I want for me, then go to www.sharespace.net right now and schedule a free consultation with me today. Sharespace, it's time to believe in yourself again. And for those of you that are looking for the perfect recovery gift to give to yourself or to a friend in recovery, then go to www.allrecoveryrings.com. At All Recovery Rings, you can have any recovery medallion beautifully transformed into a ring you can wear on your finger. All you need to do is select the medallion of your choice, submit your ring size, and All Recovery Rings will create the perfect ring for you. So go to www.allrecoveryrings.com and order your recovery ring today. And if you'd like to support the Share Podcast by making a donation, then go to the website www.thesharepodcast.com. Remember to spell share, S-H-A-I-R. Go to the top right corner of the website where it says donate or click on any of the yellow donate buttons throughout the website and make your donation today. And for those of you who love listening to the Share Podcast and want to enhance your recovery, then join us in our Share Facebook private group, the Share Recovery Network. In this free Facebook private group, you will meet thousands of people in recovery that are loving, caring, and being of service. If you're struggling in your recovery or you're struggling in life, then this might be the perfect place for you. The purpose of the Share Recovery Network is to discuss recovery in all of its facets and all of its pathways in a way that is attractive and all-inclusive. 
So to join us in this Facebook private group, go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in S-H-A-I-R, Recovery Network, and our private Facebook group will pop right up. So join us today. And if you haven't done so already, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways to show your support for the podcast. And speaking of amazing reviews, our next review comes from Rebecca S. Share saved my life. I can't believe I waited so long to write a review because I wouldn't be here if it weren't for this podcast. I've been a listener for two years now, as well as a guest, and I'm lucky enough to consider O a dear friend. I can honestly say Cher has been my first line of defense in getting and staying sober 22 months ago, and for that, I am eternally grateful. Much love to you, Omar, and everyone else in the Share Recovery Network. Rebecca S. Wow, Rebecca, thank you so much. And yes, you are my dear friend. I loved our interview. And what blows me away the most is just the beautiful relationships that I have developed over the last three years. I literally cannot count all the people that have directly touched my life. And Rebecca, you are definitely one of them. So thank you for this beautiful review and thank you for our beautiful friendship. HP, baby. Now a quick message from Transitions Daily and then on to the show. Would you like to join a free anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Then go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. And don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Hey, Vasavi. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Omar. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm excited to have you on the show. How are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. As I was just telling you, I just, I just actually moved out of sober living uh, today. No. I'm actually... Yeah, yeah, no, I swear to God, two days ago, I moved out of sober living. The movers were supposed to come. And of course, as God's will would have it, they didn't show up for whatever reason. Uh-huh. I just rolled with the punches. But they came today. So, you know, got all my boxes from storage, you know, everything that I uh, I put away in storage before rehab. So I'm just, you know, going through everything. And it's like kind of weird looking through the stuff that I had prior to going to treatment. So I'm like happy to have taken a break from all of that nonsense and talking to you right now. How long were you living in sober living? I was living in uh, sober living for three months. And prior to that, I was in, uh, I was in one rehab for 30 days and then a residential rehab for 30 days and then sober living for uh, another nine uh, for 90 days. So I'm, I'm, I'm heading into six months of sobriety right now. Wow. Wow. So you, so the last six months, has been more about I, I, your for the, for the last six months. I've been institutional. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I have been. So I'm, you know, I'm out now. So, okay. All right. This is going to make for a great story, ladies and gentlemen, because, uh, I, you know, I'm about to read off, uh, I got, I'm going to read off Vasavi's bio. Right. And I was like, it's pretty impressive. Right. It's, 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 it's pretty impressive. Um, and she's six months out of rehab. So that's, uh, it's even more impressive. So we are going to dip and dive and get all over the place. We're going to get to know you very well. So are you ready? Born, born ready, born ready. All right. So folks, today we have Vasavi Kumar joining us on the share podcast. Vasavi is a grateful recovering addict, alcoholic speaker, social worker, and mentor over the past seven years. 
She has built her business based on three key values, kindness, honesty, and impeccable character. It's because of these three values that she has been able to successfully help so many others. Be featured on some of the most of some of the top entrepreneurial and self-help podcasts and have a ton of fun being a lifestyle expert on NBC's Kansas City Live and an anger management co- coach on VH1's Basketball Wives. I highlighted both of those because I wanted a deep dive into the I want to know about the lifestyle expert and the anger management coach because that sounds yeah. so so cool. It so was fun. cool. It was yeah. Fun. No, I'm you know so the roller coaster is real. The roller coaster is for real because you've had, I mean, over the last seven years, you've had some very successful moments. Um, and so recently it looks like a little derailment happened, right? If you ended up in rehab, correct? I think, well, absolutely. And uh, I would say that what happened was I, I kept, I, I became more and more successful externally mm-hmm. in terms of money in the bank, material possessions, and I and the hole, my, my God-sized hole became bigger and bigger, and I kept trying to fill it with stuff, with, with, with the relationship, with, uh, you know, w- with material things, with just kind of, you know, just all sorts of things that were not my higher power and uh, just did not have that connection with myself. So I really, I, I was equipped as far as materialistically is concerned and like on the outside looking really good, but I was not equipped on the inside to handle life when life hit me hard, like heartbreaks, breakups, uh, stuff that just not going my way. Like I, I had really crappy, I was going to say shitty, but I don't know if you say that on the show. We could but say had, shit, fuck, whatever. It's all good. I, I, I had really shitty coping skills. Mm-hmm. I really did. I And, you know, I, I was supposed to be on my meds, never took my meds because I was like, I don't need that. I'm good. I don't mm-hmm. need that. You know, look at my bank account. I don't need that. I, I wasn't saying that out loud to people, but like in my head, you know, the addict mind really can trick you into thinking that that you're good. You know what I mean? That you have shit under control. And so that was my problem. That was my problem. And uh, it just took a little bit of humility and a hard falling of, on my ass to really realize uh, what what matters in life and what doesn't. So currently, before we dive into your story, I want to know a little bit about how you're maintaining your your routine and your recovery at the moment like it's fresh you just got out of sober living and you're you're moving out so what is your daily routine consist of today including recovery yeah and 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 for your listeners i really really want them to hear this like really hear it because you know us addicts and alcoholics can complicate the shit out of everything uh that's just the way our mind is wired that it it is a disease of the mind i keep it so simple omar i i I like literally i keep it so simple like i go to sleep early you know what i mean like at least before midnight for me that's that's early okay i wake up in the morning i don't touch my phone i don't talk to another human being i don't get involved with anything in the external world until i connect with myself and and i connect with god so for me that looks like getting up in the morning feeding my dog making my coffee sitting outside on the patio in, with quiet, like no phone, no nothing. It's been, it's been the same exact way for six months. Like I need to do that in the morning. I do not want to talk to a single soul because if I do, I'm not going to be my highest and best self because like I haven't yet connected. You know what I mean? Like I haven't channeled that connection. I haven't made that connection yet. I've just gotten up and like the old me, like, you know, like, so like I was just, just like immediately like picked up my phone, got on my Facebook, checked my text messages, make sure my inbox went down to zero. Like, like literally like these were the things that were more important to me. And now I'm like, absolutely not. 
Um, I don't really set an alarm in the morning. I will tell you that unless I have to go somewhere like I, I, I let my body wake me up. You know what I mean? But I do go to the gym also every single day. I want your listeners to know that it, it, it that, you know, being in recovery is is really a holistic process. It's not just going to AA meetings. It's not just going to the gym. It's not just praying. It's all of it. It's all of it. And that's why, like, I always say this, like I, like I joke around, being me is a full-time job. It is a full-time job to make sure that I stay sober. And, and I'm not just saying like that I stay away from drugs and alcohol, but that I stay emotionally sober. You know what I mean? Because, because it's when, when I let my anxiety take over, when I let my sadness take over, like if I don't have those healthy coping skills, I will call my dealer and I will buy a bag of cocaine. It has not happened. Knock on wood and God willing, it has not happened. But if I don't do all of those things consistently, like if, if I don't do that, it's just a matter of time. And I know that. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of time. So right. Yeah. Right now I'm just chilling. Like I'm good. Like everything is like, I just picture like those, um, uh, you know, when you're in the hospital and like someone dies and it's like flatlined, I'm not saying I'm flatlined, (laughs) but I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm not saying I'm dead, but like, you know, also I, uh, I, yeah, exactly. There's a little, is it just going? Yeah. Okay. I got you. I, I have a co-occurring disorder, right? So it's not only addiction, but it's also bipolar disorder and anxiety, right? So I make sure I take my medication in the morning, throughout the day, and at night. I make sure that I go to my psychiatrist. Actually, um, actually, I have a doctor's appointment with my psychiatrist today. I make that appointment. Make sure I get my refills. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't respond back to people right away. You know what I mean? Like if I don't want to, like, like, like engage in a text message conversation, like it can wait. Everything can come wait because I come first. But and, and I don't mean I, I, I actually mean my recovery. Do you know what I mean? Like just all the stuff to keep Vasavi in check mm-hmm. because there is a higher, there is a higher purpose for me in life. And, and that is to be of service. That is to be able to do this interview. So like perfect example, I'm in the midst of moving. I have 25 boxes in there. I have, I have shit all over my bed, but I'm able to come here to do this interview present. Why? Because I did all the other things from, from the morning to make sure that like I can keep myself in check. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean white knuckle gripping. I'm not, I'm not white knuckle gripping. I'm like high energy because I want to deliver massive value to you guys. I say like, I'm on right now. I'm not thinking about all the stuff going on. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on with all my boxes. I have someone helping me out there. I'm able to be present. So you guys, you have to, you have to really look at yourself in terms of physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially, all of it. And you got to ask yourself, where do I need to clean up my life? One by one by one. It's not enough to sit in an AA meeting room. And I, and I know a lot of people that just do that, but their lives are hot messes the minute they leave. It's like, you got to take care of all of it. So that is a uh, very long answer. Yes, yes. But at the same time, if I, if I loop back around to what's the most important aspect of all of that is the practice and it's also maintenance. So, yeah. so many of us know what it looks like to be that hot mess. So many of mm-hmm. us know what it looks like to train wreck our lives, get to the rock bottom moment, right? And get to the place where you are right now. Like you're someone who has been in recovery, right, for a while, okay? Mm-hmm. So when was the first time, when, when, was the, when was your first kind of experience? How old were you when you first got introduced to recovery? Okay, so I oh, so I smoked so I smoked my first cigarette when I was twelve. I, I I didn't I don't have a very typical story like a lot of people that I've heard that I was in rehab with. But I'll just give you the dates. I was twelve when I smoked my first cigarette because mm-hmm. I really wanted to be in with the cool girls. I knew I sold my soul in that moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, because we all know we should not be fucking smoking cigarettes ever or or when we're twelve. You Correct. know what I mean? Correct. Um, I smoked my first joint when I was eleven. I had my first. 
sorry, 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 not 11, 11th grade. Wow, that was young, but I'm sure some people have. I had my first drink when I was in 10th grade and I, I got drunk off of white Russians at a, at a, at a family function. It was like this big Indian party. Okay. Um, so drink 10th grade, joint 11th grade, uh, gave my first blow job when I was in 12th grade. And I know that may not seem relevant, but it is relevant because it just kind of shows the, our behaviors, right? For women, especially will turn sexual, right? Because Correct. we want that approval. We want that validation inappropriate um it's like no like you I, why am i no, doing that you know? no but the reason why i ask in is to get you know kind of back up a little bit first because we're gonna i want to dive into all that yeah. but the, the thing is that if we're while we're on the subject this kind of stuff happens when we reboot we yep. hit that rock bottom moment and it started very early on okay mm-hmm. so it's been this roller coaster ride of Recognize I have a problem, do something about it, get on the right track, derail, start yeah. again, get on the right track again, do and kick ass, derail again. The idea is to recognize that in this moment right now is where you're your clearest. Well, right I, I, I am absolutely my clearest now. And I should tell you guys that October 24th when I went into rehab, this is my first time in treatment. So October 24th was the first time that I went into rehab. It will be the last time that I ever go back into rehab. And I know people say to me like, oh, that's really cocky. I'm like, no, it's not. I was like, that's not cocky. That's, I'm extremely confident and I never want to go through that again. Like, I'm, I, I got it. I got the lesson, God. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I need to humble myself. Thank you. I need you. I get it. Like, I always say like the opposite of addiction is connection. You know what I mean? We're always searching for something. So started at 12 dabbled with you know like smoked a little weed i did was not into weed at all uh drank loved drinking uh summer of going into college so i was like 17 i tried ecstasy for the first time did not like that that amount of pleasure running through my body i was like this is really weird um and then freshman year of college wait 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 wait, wait. we're getting too far into your story all oh, right okay. so so okay, okay. just remember who's in charge here oh, okay so. sorry sorry <laughs> Sorry, sorry. All right, we're getting over there. Okay, so, but first, the next thing is, like, right now, one of the most important that you mentioned it, you kind of tapped into it, but I like to emphasize that spiritual condition, right? You tapped into how you connect in the morning, but I always like to ask, you know, like, how you maintain your spiritual condition, if there's something more that you do that you can expand on a little bit, because that spiritual condition is something that there's a lot of resistance towards that, to that spiritual condition or introducing spirituality when we first come into recovery. So I think that it's something that I like everyone to kind of expand on what their relationship is to their higher power and what does that look like? Okay, that's a great question. And sorry, sorry, boss, you're in charge. No okay, so, we're, we're rolling, we're rolling. Okay, um, well, so I, when I look at my relationship to my higher power, first of all, it's not something that I can like, think about it it is it is literally a feeling that i have in my chest it is like in my heart it's a very it's like a still water i have a stillness throughout me no matter like i could be unpacking stuff i could be mowing the lawn i could be doing but i feel this stillness Mm -hmm. i feel it's just wherever i go like i can breathe again that's the best way that I, I can breathe. And I don't mean those short breaths. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I could take that long, deep sigh. And I could, I just, I have a full range of air running through me. But it, the feeling is I'm not anxious all the time. Like, like, honestly, I'm just trying to put it in layman's terms. It's like, I'm not anxious. And I, I just know it's like a knowingness. It's like, I just know 
that when I step out the house or even as I'm doing things around the house or just wherever I am, there's a knowingness that I am okay and I will be taken care of. It is just a knowingness that I can't experience in my brain. It is not something that I experience in my mind because my mind is broken, right? Like our minds are broken. That's why we did the shit that we do. Like, so I, I behaved my way into new thinking. You know what I mean? Yes, so, so, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. so the reason why I do think in a way that's, that's like, that's good for me right now is because my actions have changed literally 180. Everything I do <clears throat> is so different than what I did six months ago, like everything. And when it comes to me and God, <clears throat> me and higher power, it's like a, it's like an unspoken faith. It's like an unspoken truth, unspoken knowingness. I don't need to explain shit to anybody. The confidence that I have now, like even like I used to have really bad boundaries, Omar, like really bad boundaries. Just let people walk all over me. And Mm -hmm. just I would just say yes, because I don't want to cause problems or whatever. I can just say no. I could say it with kindness, but I say no. And I'm not worried anymore. Are they going to like me? That's because my relationship with God has gotten so much better because I'm like, I don't fucking need you to like me. I have I have a best friend right here. I have someone that will always have my back no matter what. I don't need your approval. I love that. Wow, that's the first that. time I've ever said this out loud. That's it, it was strong. I was about to say that's yeah. solid. I don't need your approval. And that yeah. is that should be that's a mantra for so many of us. It should be, right? And I, I don't like to use the word should. Uh, but it would well, be I, yeah, like yeah. I, I would follow along in that same idea, whereas we're a lot of where our manifestation of addiction came from is our need for acceptance, right? Because yep. we can't accept ourselves, we can't love ourselves, right? In and of itself, in another moment, and just individually, exactly. right? It's that constant yep. seeking of approval. So this reminds me of uh, I just started reading the book uh, "The Universe Has Your Back," Gabby Bernstein. Oh, and, I know Gabby. I know Gabby. Yeah, well, you know her. Yeah, I actually know her. I do. I know her. Can you, <laughs> like, can you, like, I actually know her, not just like, oh my God, I know could her. You, like, I could know you her. call her and say, hey, would you be on O's podcast? Do you know I her that well? I, I, could probably, I could probably just email her directly, like her personal email. I could, I could definitely reach out to her and say, hey, we have someone who would love to have you on. My wife would go absolutely apeshit. She's great. Bananas. She's yeah. She, yeah. That, the book talks a lot about what you're talking about right now. And when we're talking about that spiritual connection, that ability, I can breathe again. Oh, right? really? I never read her book. The, I haven't read that. The stillness. It's solid. It's solid. We actually we got it on audiobooks and we were we took uh for our four month for our four year anniversary. Yeah. We went to we went to the beach, right? And we listened to half the book on the way there. And it's just oh, is that good? so yeah. much gold in there. But a lot of it has to do with just that ability to it's a practice. You know, that that prayer meditation is a practice. And when you do that, Right, yeah. the stillness, the peace, the connection that comes from that is mm-hmm. not something that is that you can even like you were saying. I, I don't know how to put this in words other than to say I can breathe again. It's it's personal. That's right. why it's totally I, like, it's totally I, it's personal. And I no. it but I want to I want to let your listeners know. Do you know when I was working with my sponsor? You know when 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 she was having me kind of paint a picture of my higher power because mm-hmm. it's so different. Because like a lot of people are just so disconnected. You yes. know, like I was just. It took me thirty days. It took me one whole month to really get to and feel what my higher power w- would be. I'm like, is it a he? Is it a she? Is it a b-? because, you know, you have to know I-, I was raised Hindu. So we have idols, but but we also believe in just oneness of everything. Right. Like we don't believe there's any. No, sorry. We do believe that that you and God are, are just one and the same. You know what I mean? Like 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 there's no disconnect. We are one. Yeah. 
So it was hard for me, especially because like, you know, my self-esteem was low mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm in rehab, all my shit's in storage. I mean, like, I just got so upset that my stuff, my stuff, my stuff, my stuff was in storage. And then I just was like, fuck all of it. I'm like, I am going to just sit and be. So I spent a lot of time in nature. So that's another beautiful. thing that I want you guys to know. Yep. Just like this patio that I have, it's beautiful here. Just sitting with the trees, mm-hmm. watching a bird. Like, like honestly, when is the last time you like watched a leaf blow? You know, like I've been doing that. And I'm just like, there's really nothing that we really need in that moment when we could just sit and look out. We have everything. Like we have everything in that moment. We don't need anything else. No. No. So being present, being present is a gift, yeah. is a gift. Yeah. All right. So uh, just to be clear, when is your actual clean time? What is your anniversary date? October 21st, 2017. 2017. Okay. So now we're going to start going in that direction. So briefly, tell us about the first time, because we kind of dove into that a little bit too. Uh, the first time you drank or used drugs, the first time you got high. So it was either the alcohol or the drugs. So the first time you drank or used drugs and how it made you feel. Oh, wow. The fr- this, I love this question. Uh, and I remember looking at your list of questions. Uh, the first time was probably the white Russian when I was in 10th grade at the mm-hmm. Indian party. I had about three of them. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like I was very calm. Um, and I was also much more verbose. Like I was very talkative and I was like, yeah, I felt free. I felt so free. I mean, obviously that's what alcohol does to you. Right? Yes. Like freedom. Yeah. That, that's what it was. I felt freedom at that age. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love yeah. it. All right. So we are ready to rock and roll. Vasavi, it is time for you to share your story. The battle against drugs and alcohol, the wreckage it caused in your life when you hit rock bottom. And then finally your journey into recovery up until today. So Vasavi, take it away. Oh my God, this is great. Um, <laughs> so, all right, I I was born and raised um, on Long Island, New York. My parents are Indian immigrants. They came over here in the seventies. Uh, I grew up in a house that um, is very chaotic, man. Like it was really chaotic. Like my parents were immigrants. Everyone from India who was coming over would always stay at her our house. I never felt like I fit in. I never felt like my home was my home. It's so funny. Like, I, I, you know, when I think about it, I remember we had so many guests in the house and I was just like, I just felt like nothing was mine, you know? And then, and then I would have guests come to our house, you know, family members. And like, I wasn't treated very well because I was the youngest. I was always the youngest. You know, I'm, I'm, the young, I'm, I'm the youngest daughter. I'm the youngest in the family. I never felt respected and, and I never felt heard. And so I... As I got older, I, I learned how I, I learned how to get people's love and approval, and, and and I did that by entertaining. And I was always performing. Mm. And I was always making the jokes. I was I, I in second I like grade. I was a clown for Halloween. In second grade, I was a clown for Halloween. I always just wanted people to love me, like me. Um, and I grew up in an all white town. Was bullied a lot. Was beaten up a few times um, by this girl that I will not say her name. Um, but, but, uh, <laughs> it was just really hard, you know, but I, I yeah. at a young age, I think this is probably why I'm so good at sales and marketing at a young age. I learned exactly what I needed to say to get the love and approval that I wanted. I knew exactly I could walk into a room. I could assess the situation and I could say, I, I know, I know how to make this person like me. I know exactly who to be. You know what I mean? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I so, do. yeah. So that was me. Um, and I don't think up until right now have I ever experienced so much of being 
who who Vasavi really is because throughout the years, right, like just growing up in middle school and high school, you know, um, smoking cigarettes to be to be um, accepted by the cool girls, and then you know, um, I was always teased by the boys because I. I wasn't white, you know, I, I, I was, I was, I was brown. I was slightly hairy and, you know, now I'm obviously beautiful, uh, but, you know, I just have to grow into my looks, but was teased a lot growing up. Um, and so I learned that in order to really fit in, I, I just kind of needed to do whatever the ones in charge were doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. yeah, like all, all the popular kids. And I, I, I was, I was actually really dorky and I'm still super dorky. Like I'm never going to be one of the kids that are cool. Do you know what I mean? And I'm okay with that. But, um, started dabbling, like I said, smoking cigarettes when I was 12 and then, uh, you know, had my few white Russians never drank again until high school. I'm um, sorry, senior year of high school, you know, when I was going into college and, uh, started drinking more, started smoking weed more. And then, um, I was in private school. I had switched from public to private school and it was, it was a really rough transition for me, but, but it was fine because I knew no matter where I went, even if I switched schools, I knew how to fit in. Mm. I knew exactly who to be friends with to make sure that I wasn't bullied. Right. So I was friends with this one girl who was the prettiest girl in school. And I made like, and I, I, I was her everything, right? Like I did anything for her. And she was also the friend who had the most, kind of problems in in the home life so i'd always go over there and her house was the party house so i so my point is and i did all this you know when i was doing my inventory um you know my 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 fourth step um i always befriended people that had problems like i i came from like a pretty okay household like what i mean by that even those chaotic my mom's a doctor my dad's an accountant they're good human beings they're still married they never you you know what i mean like even though they had their squabbles and their fights and you know i was i was kind of uh spanked here and there you know what i mean i mean yeah, i mean who I, was I, it? How, I, how old are you 35 35 you're 10 years younger than me so and and uh we used to get i mean spankings was not, out of, yeah I, yeah yeah, I, yeah I it's, it's, out of me so okay. it was it was just normal but yeah. it was it was it was not right because i was already going through so many feelings of not being accepted do you know what i mean and mm-hmm. then on top of that my, my own mother i was afraid of i was mm-hmm. terrified of my mother and i don't think you should be not terrified of your parents, you know, but, um, I always befriended people who had like rocky home lives Mm -hmm. and, um, they liked me because I came from a house that like had a lot of values and morals. Like we had a lot of values. I grew up no matter what Omar, no matter what the situation was in my house. And, and also my parents made very good money. We never, I I never had to struggle or suffer for anything. I mean, even beside that, like they never put the emphasis on money. They taught my sister and I, they gave us such a good foundation for our morals and values, right from wrong. And, and also work ethic when it comes to work ethic, like always go the extra mile. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that immigrant mentality that they, that they instilled in us, even mm-hmm. though I was born and raised in this country. So went off to college and I was not ready, dude. Like I was not ready to be on my own, but you know, it's, it's just the American way, right? Like send your kids off to, to college, even if they're not equipped. I was not equipped to go to college, like mentally and emotionally. And uh, started smoking a lot of weed, got kicked out of housing for smoking weed, and uh, came back sophomore year. My mom had brought me to India and um, got got my own apartment, which I don't know why they thought that was a good idea. Got my own apartment sophomore year of college with this roommate, and um, I became very promiscuous, very, very promiscuous. That's when I lost my virginity when I was 20, and uh, pretty late, actually, if you, you know, compared to other people that I've met, you know, 20 yes, years old. for sure. That's when I... 
that's when I, uh, uh, you know, started taking, smoking even more, drinking even more. But that's when I first tried cocaine. That's when I first tried Oof. cocaine with offering or college. I, I I tried mushrooms. I hated it because I do not want to trip. My mind is right. already trippy, like sober. Tried cocaine and that was it. it Light was speed. Cool. Oh, Dunzos. Actually, what's really funny about using cocaine, it works like ADHD medication for me. It's not an upper for me. It really? Um, yeah. It actually works like a Vyvanse. Like, um, wow. Uh, well, yeah. When, when I take cocaine, it actually calms my mind down, interestingly enough. So I use cocaine a lot throughout sophomore year. Um, and then I was, I also saw a lot of my behaviors and I told my mother, I think I need to come home to, uh, I think I need to transfer back home to New York, you know? And then, um, I also said, I think I have bipolar disorder. I like self-diagnosed myself. So I moved back home to New York after sophomore year, went to the psychiatrist, diagnosed me with bipolar disorder. And, uh, what did he give you? Oh my God. He gave me Depakote, Risperdal, Topamax. He did not give me lithium at the time. I'm on lithium now, actually, which is, which is great. Um, he gave me one more medication. It was Topamax, Risperdal, Topamax, Risperdal, Dep- Depakote made me gain 45 pounds. Jesus. Um, yeah. And there was one, there was one more medication that he put me on. And I don't remember if it was four medications. I've, I've never, I slept for about six months straight. I did. It, it knocked me out. Yeah. Just, Horrible. Yeah. It Terrible. just sedated me. Yep. But I, I transferred to Hofstra University, which is a college on Long Island, decided maybe I should do computer science and got a 1.3 because I was sleeping all the time. I, would, I, w- I was so sedated for my medication. Mm. I would barely make it to class. I wouldn't even shower. You know, like, like honestly, when I think about what, I, what I've been through, it actually makes me want to cry for myself. Not, not in a pity way, just like in a lot of compassion, what I've been through. Like, that's why I'm not so hard on myself anymore, you know, and I... But anyway, uh, gained a lot of weight, would eat my face off because that shit makes you hungry, like insatiable and um, ridiculous. But I ended up graduating in my undergrad degree um, with sociology. I loved sociology because it, 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 was, it, it was just a study of people and just society. And just, like, it was so up my alley because I love human beings. Graduated, graduated actually with a 3.8 undergrad. Nice. Then I went into, yeah, then I stayed at Hofstra University and I went into uh, my master's um, for special ed to get my master's in special ed. I was not using a lot of drugs at that time. Um, actually, yeah, my undergrad right before finishing undergrad, actually I lied. Sorry. I was partying. I wasn't lying, but you know what I mean? I forgot. (laughs) I I, I was partying still a lot undergrad and this was the turning point for me. Uh, I was still using a lot of cocaine. I was using that. Like I had basically transferred home from from uh, Boston University, came to Hofstra, was using cocaine all the time, really good cocaine on Long Island, partying all the time. But I was living in my parents' house, but I had a lot of friends who lived in the dorms. So, so once again, befriended people who would basically co-sign my bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like I would always find someone to get fucked up with. I never got, I mean, I got fucked up alone like in the past few years, but in college and stuff, that's what I did. And then I met um Indian man who was like my Prince Charming. And he is now my ex-husband. <laughs> But he was the one who I want to say saved me, you know, because I was very promiscuous up until I met him. And I met him. And it's funny. His name is Ashish and Ashish means blessing. So I met him. We dated. We got we dated for six years. We got married in 2010. I was complete. I want people to know I was completely sober from cocaine. I was drinking alcohol, so I was not sober. You know what I mean? But I was like, I wasn't using hard drugs. I was drinking. Uh, but with Ashish, he didn't drink at all. So 
Um, he was there and he would, he would let me, he would let me drink. I know that sounds awful, but like, he didn't mind that I drank, you know what I mean? But he didn't stop me because he was just a quiet guy. Like he just wasn't the kind of guy to control me at all. He was just like, do whatever you want. He was just happy that I was like in his kind of grip and I wasn't being like used by men. Like, you know, he, he was, he had that, he had that, uh, white so, knight syndrome. So he you know? knew, he knew what was going on with you. He, he, he was, everything. he was your hero. He was he, he was, was a hero. hero. He was the hero. He was the hero. Okay. He was the hero who saved me. You were the oh, victim. God, yeah, I was. A, oh my god, makes me want to cry, man. Like, then we got mad. Forced this guy into marrying me, and actually, him and I had a really big heart to heart the other day. And he's like, you know, I should have told you that I couldn't marry you, and I, I wasn't financially ready to take care of you. He's like, I wasn't. I wasn't ready to take care of you. I got married because you really wanted to get married. So like, I forced him. He not forced him. You know what I mean, though. Like, I, I did. I forced him to get. I was like, come on, boy. What are we doing? Right. Everyone else is getting married, right. you know, because I thought that was going to be the solution. Yep. I wanted to play a role. I didn't want to be the girl who was drinking all the time and sleeping around. I wanted to be. I wanted to be the wife, right? So I was like, I'm going to be the wife. So we had the big fat Indian wedding. I got drunk at my reception, uh, but that was about it. And eight uh, days well, later. Yeah. Exactly. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable yeah. with those weddings. How long was yours? Eight days, nine days, eleven days? It, it, it was only three days, but it was okay. six hundred people. And it was a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar wedding. Dude. It was it was pretty damn expensive. It's fucking crazy. And I, I wanna let your people know um something why I'm so into health and fitness. I lost my forty five pounds of all that medication weight. I, I signed up for a boot camp. I started working with a nutritionist. I went down to like one twenty five, which is like a healthy weight for me back in my twenties. Now it's a little different, but um we got married and we moved to Kansas. Cause he bought a gas station in Kansas. So I followed him to Kansas. I said, we're going to have our life in Kansas, you know, got, got an apartment, got all my wedding gifts. Oh my God. I have to go through, I still have all my wedding dishes. It's like crazy time to time to get rid of them. I think, um, but basically like set up shop. I played the, I played the role really well. I, I, I did. I think I played the role really well, but like him and I together, did not communicate. There was really no communication. It was like very typical Indian wedding. Um, sorry, marriage. Man goes out to work, comes back, wife cooks. And I, I, I was running my business. I was running my coaching business at that time. But, and then he would come home and like, I, I just, I wanted the family. You know what I mean? Like I wanted the family. I wanted to like, let's sit down and eat and let's, you know, let's like, let's talk, let's be a couple. And like, I don't think either one of us knew how to do that, but I wanted it so bad. I was still sober at that time. Um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. I, I'm going to say the breaking point of our marriage was three years, right before our three year, three years before we got divorced. I had like a mini emotional affair. Uh, by emotional, I mean there was nothing physical involved, and it was a guy that I knew from New York, and like we started talking, and he was a married man, um, and we were like texting each other, and then sexting each other, and you know how it goes, and it was just very. Uh, and no, and I don't. I'm married. You don't, I don't. Uh, you, yeah. You, okay. So, so, you, so, so you're one of the few, right? You, you, yeah. He was, he was crappy. He was crappy. Mm, I was like in, a, I was crappy because I didn't know how to just tell my husband I'm not happy in this marriage. Like I'm not happy. I didn't know what to do. We had gone to therapy. We'd done everything. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. And I just, I wanted the attention. Yeah. I wanted some attention. I didn't, I was not getting any attention. I like every, I felt like every time I wanted attention from him, I had to beg for it. And I didn't know what I knew now about relationships and communication. And, and how to ask for what you want and also how to give yourself what you want first before needing it from somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. you are responsible for making yourself happy, period. Period. And then you can come full to your to your spouse or your partner, your boyfriend, whatever. So anyway, I told him the truth about what happened. Um, 
and we tried to make it work for like another yeah it, it was like a whole another year and we thought moving to austin would help okay so i'm so i'm here in austin now by the way i love it uh moved here went to um and then came to a culinary school vegetarian culinary school and um did that for seven months it was really good like just a different experience but our, our marriage just kind of sort of awful our marriage just fizzled it just died. You know what I mean? You guys yes. know what I mean? Like, yes. I can't even go into it. It just started dying, dude. Like, you just know it's done. There's no sex. There's no love. We started sleeping in separate rooms. Like, it, it was, it, we had two, I mean, like, it was, you know, and then by the end, I, I went to India that summer and I came back. I, like, I, I had my eat, pray, love. Like, I had to go to my motherland and like. <laughs> I was just, just like, about to go there. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to Bali? Yeah, that no, I didn't go to Bali, but like, you know, that's my motherland. And I just went, I, I went by myself. I was living on top of a mountain, came back. The, literally the next day after I landed in Austin, I got my divorce papers, mm-hmm. went to the courthouse, came back, and I said, I said, oh, she's like, we're done, dude. Like, you, you know it, and I know it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah. And it was just, it was just done. It was just done. Uh, update, not update, but like I said, him and I still keep in touch. It's not all the time. It's maybe once a month. Uh, I don't feel like being in his face all the time because I know it kills him. You know what I mean? Like, I know he questions and he he feels guilty for a lot of his part. I don't feel like being like, hey, how are you doing? I miss you. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I've moved on in a lot of ways in my life, even though I was in rehab and stuff. I, I, I don't I, I'm just being sensitive to however he's feeling, even though it's been, you know, now four years um, since you guys separated. Yeah, we got divorced at the end. Yeah, 2014. November 2014. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's yeah. been a while. Yeah. Four, four years of divorce. Got, okay. So the the next three years after the divorce is really what led up to this. So January 2015, yeah, I just gotten divorced, started work. I, I, I didn't want to be in my coaching business anymore because I, or, you know, uh, practicing social work because my life was a mess. Like I was just, no one prepares you for divorce. No one tells you how hard it's going to be to be alone. No one. It's, it's awful. And um, I actually, so I was working five jobs and I actually met someone right after I got divorced. Of course. Yeah, we completely, we just latched on. I mean, it's just so funny. We just latched on right away and, uh, great guy. I mean, he kind of, he played the role that I wanted him to play, which was like, be my, be the husband that I didn't have. And I was, I got to be, I, I, I got to be taken care of like, and I, but I was, but I was doing my thing. I was holding everything down financially. That's what I do. Like that's that's what I know what how to do. I know how to hold shit down financially. I know how to make money. Like and 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 not just paycheck to paycheck. Like I know how to make make money. And he, uh, the guy that I met, he um, eight years younger. Uh, we had a great chemistry. Very very good chemistry. Um, and he just he, he kind of just held shit down at the home front. Like he Indian? Just had a gr- no, he was not. He's not. He's white. He's white. Um, but you know what it was like. We had a great. Like we did act. I know this sounds silly, but like we had activities together. We did activities together. We did a lot of fun stuff together. I should probably tell you guys that I met him when he was straight out of rehab. So he was in rehab. Rehab in, romance. Yep, rehab. You know, I, what do they always say to us? <laughs> Driving off into recovery sunset. So right after I got divorced, I left. Why did I leave this piece out? Right after I got <laughs> divorced, I went into an intensive outpatient for like mental and emotional issues. Mm-hmm. I met him in an intensive outpatient because he had just come out of rehab for using meth. So he was addicted to meth. Um, he's completely clean from that. He does not use that. 
uh, but I met him and we were in the group together and I just looked at him and I was like, God, he's cute. Like he's really, and you know, you know what happens, right? You get divorced, you're lonely, you're this, he's there, like whatever. We just like literally just started with like, Hey, do you have a cigarette? Like, like I, I had asked him, like, this was like three years ago. I was like, give a cigarette. You can give me a cigarette. And then I was like, do you need a ride home? And it was like, that, that's my codependency all the way through. So, uh, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of us addicts, I could say 99.9 of us suffer from codependency, right? How we latch onto another human being because we don't want to have to deal with ourselves or because we find our worth through the, the, uh, the relationship that we have with someone else. If you're happy, I'm happy. If you're sad, I'm sad. It's just like, it's just one big shit show. And that's what happened with him and I. So, but we were together for like, for over four years, you know, three and a half years, three and a half years. We, and we started using drugs together. Uh, it was just a matter of time, right? Um, First it was weed, and then um, uh, because my drug of choice was cocaine, we, you know, we we had gotten into some arguments in the first year of our relationship, and I this is this is how bad my codependency was back then. My codependency was so bad back then that when we got into a fight and I thought we were done, I said, "Oh my God, I know what's going to make it better. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy cocaine, and we're gonna do drugs together because that'll make things better." And that just shows right there. I will hurt myself in, in the name of love. I will hurt myself and go against my morals and values because I want our relationship to work so bad. That, like, now when I think about how all of this could have been avoided, obviously it could not have been avoided because this is exactly how it was meant to be. All of this could have been avoided and it all boiled down to my self-esteem, my relationship to myself, and my relationship to my higher power. That I really thought that bringing cocaine into a relationship to make it better was going to make it better. Like, as I'm saying it to you, I'm like, oh, my God. So, well, we all, Trust me, that, we, all, we all get it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nobody, yeah. Nobody, nobody's surprised by the, by, by the, the, by the, the mindset, right? By the, by the, it's so dumb. Like, right, right. So no, dumb. no, no, but it makes all the sense in the world, no, right? Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, no, right. so that's why... Real, 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 real quick, because I want to, you know, something caught my attention here. Four years you were with, it, three and a half years you were with it, this guy. You met him at a rehab, so you were in rehab. No, so 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 he came out of rehab. He, oh, he was him. He was in rehab. Yeah, yeah, he was in rehab. Ah, okay. and, and he was an IOP, intensive outpatient, and I was an intensive outpatient for more emotional issues. Like I want, like so. Oh, so okay, the, okay. This yeah, is the this, bipolar I, stuff. Yeah, and exactly. The divorce exactly. and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so you and guys met was, in the transition. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, you're great. I, you're, I think you get my story more than I do. I got so, it. I got it. So, um, you know, him and I traveled together. We went to Mexico together. We went to Italy together. I'm saying all this because when we were good, we were good. You yes, know what I mean? But correct. like, But then the, the past two years, there was some cheating involved on his part. There was infidelity. I went to jail for assault. There was just all this stuff. I mean, like, like that's when the drugs started to get really bad because I did not know how to handle. I didn't know. So I, I would say now looking back on it, the fact that I had to use, that I went on a five-day bender when I found out he cheated on me. I lost about, I would say, 10 pounds which is a lot for me, you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm like getting older. I, I, I don't lose weight that quickly, you know what I mean? But like I lost 10 pounds. I was on a five-day Coke vendor, took a bunch of Xanax, and I just, I didn't know any other way to deal with it because here's the thing. If we say that in the beginning, the addiction starts as children when we need that approval and love so bad, right? Because we can't deal with rejection and abandonment. So now think here, here I am, you know, at the age, I would say 33, I'm 35, but this is all like kind of 32, 33. When I found out he cheated, when I found out, 
<laughs> I was talking to other girls, like it made me feel the feeling of like that feeling that I've been trying to avoid since I was a child. I felt it at 32. Like what's wrong with me? Something yeah. must be wrong with yeah. me. Like I, he, and so I don't hate him at all. Everyone's always like, you know, are, are you still in touch with him? Blah, blah, blah. Like they, everyone went, and even my parents, like, you know, they don't like him at all. I go, no, don't you, don't you get it? Like he was put into my life. God put him in my life. Yes. So I could see how little I loved myself and how much I tied my self-worth into another human being. Mm-hmm. It could have been him. It could have been anybody. You know what I mean? But like he was, he was a straw that broke the camel's back, dude. Like he, that was, it was it. And he's not, he's a good guy. And like, and, and, and like my parents can't stand when I say this, but it's like, he's a good guy. He's just, he had his own unhealthy issues, um, shit, shit to deal with. And we were just two unhealthy people together. Honestly, that's what was happening. We were both dragging each other down in a way because I was like this older woman, you know, being mommy. And he, you know what I mean? It's just all those dynamics. But there's a lot of cocaine for three, three years. I, I, I have never used that much cocaine in my entire life. Like, I, it was a lot. And It's and always, way, it's progressive. It and is I, progressive. I, and I remember being in my therapist's office and her being like, Vasavi, it's, I, I'm like, Linda, I'm only using it once a, you know, once a week. It's just a weekend thing. And then, and then life started to happen. Then it became two days. Then it became three days. And then it, eventually, I think the longest ever was, was like about five days. Cause I, 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 I never wanted to be the person that was like a full week. You know what I mean? And here's the <laughs> other thing about, I was, I was what I would call a functional addict. I was, I was highly functional because I was making $10,000 a month in my business, free and clear. Between eight and 10 grand a month in my coaching business, I had private clients that I worked with that came into my house and I did therapy with them. And then I also worked with people on their businesses, on, on their marketing, on their branding, on their messaging. And I was making eight to $10,000 a month. I was working with probably 10 to 15 clients a day. And then I'd be doing cocaine at night. And then I'd take a break from clients, you know, recover feel better about myself to the best of my ability, and then go again. So I was able to, which is so scary, right? It's so scary when I think about it. I was able to like really look functional on the outside. I was doing interviews just like this. I I, I obviously was not doing them on uh, recovery uh, podcast <laughs> because, because, you know, hello. But, you know, I, I, I was speaking on marketing podcasts. I was, I was still on television. I was still doing all that fun stuff. I was still going, I was making a shit ton of money. It's like the more money I made, the more cocaine I started doing, Of course, you know, because I couldn't manage it. I, and I wasn't, it was almost like the more I had, the, the, the more empty I felt, the more I needed to fill it. That's, that's really what it was. And the missing piece was really that humility and also my relationship with him. Um, it was, it, it was unhealthy. It was unhealthy. I did not know how to have a relationship with him. And he's, like I said, he's not a bad guy, but whatever. We all have our issues. Uh, went to jail in March of uh, last year. Tell us about that. Oh yeah, that was great. Um, I had just come back from a week in Costa Rica with my parents. That was a cocaine idea of mine. I was like, I should go to cocaine with my parents. I need to go to cocaine with my <laughs> Costa Rica with my parents. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what? Oh my God. Did I miss I was, you were in Costa Rica? Yeah, I was in Costa Rica. When? March. Last year? Yeah. I was in Tamarindo. No shit. Yeah, so I went to Costa Rica for a week. We, we could have so, been. So my, point, so my point is, anytime I did cocaine, I, I always had these brilliant ideas because I, you're obviously so brilliant when you use cocaine. I of mean, course. Like, yeah, I was brilliant. I, and then I fucking booked a trip to Costa Rica and I convinced my mother to go to Costa Rica. Poor, my poor parents, they had no idea what was going on. My parents had no idea, obviously because addiction is an isolating disease. We're not going to tell the people around us, like, by the way, I'm just blowing rails off my kitchen counter. You know what I mean? Yep. So we, we went to Costa Rica. 
and at that point I, I had told him, you know, my, you know, my boyfriend, I said, I don't feel comfortable leaving you at home alone while I go on this trip to Costa Rica. So he found another place to stay. And it was just really hard for me because there had been so much of that betrayal and um, infidelity. While I was in Costa Rica, though, you know, him and I spoke every day. He admitted that he had slept with a co-worker. It was awful. And then I came back and uh, f- from Costa Rica and he said he wanted to see other people. And then I went crazy. I had, I, I had, as soon as I stepped off the plane back to Austin, I called my dealer, got cocaine, got Xanax, got wine, went back home to my apartment by myself got really fucked up by myself. It was probably the one of the worst nights of my life. Hopefully the first and last, like while was, that was on March 11th. I came back from Costa Rica, got really fucked up. Uh, I, w- I was able to like go through his email accounts and like text the girl that he was fucking. And it was just, it was bad. Like I, even as I say it, like it's not me anymore. Like as I'm saying it, it feels like I'm talking about somebody else because it was somebody else, you know? So I got like, like this relationship drove me insane. I don't know how I managed to be in it for this long. You know what I mean? Um, but I loved him. I loved him very, very much because I had the ability to see past all of it. I, it, it's probably my best and my worst quality is that I can see your I can see the best in everybody so much so that I, I, I kind of like forget about the other stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, whatever, like you're a good person. I'm an empath. That's, that's what I mean. Like I can, I could see you like, you could have like a million bad qualities, but I'll find your one good quality. I also get paid to do that. Right. My clients come to me because I see their potential. I see it. Like I, I, I like projects. I like projects. <laughs> I like, that. I like, I like I, projects. I like projects. So Basically, I kind of like I like hacked into his account, did all this bullshit, texting this person, that person. Next day, and I was like really fucked up. Next day, he comes over to talk, and it was just like I was just so sad. I was just so sad, and I like started to get revved up talking about everything. And he's like, "I'm gonna leave." I was like, "You are not leaving," because there, those are my trigger words. You, I'm going to leave because I grew up in a house where my parents fought all the time. My mother would walk out of the house all the time. So I always walk. I always watched my mother walk out of the house. When are you coming back? When are you coming back? Not knowing when are you coming back? You know, so um, that happened. And um, I wouldn't let him leave. And when he tried to leave, I beat him with the broomstick. I beat him on his arm with the broomstick. And then I chased him out of the house. And then I chased him back into the house. And then I called the police. And then I got arrested. You so, called the police. I did. I did. I, 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 I thought the police would help, but apparently <laughs> domestic violence. I didn't think I would get arrested. You were beating I, him with a broom and you called the cops. I didn't think they would like, no, I, I, I thought you, I could just we, play we, the damsel. In distress. The, I was about to say you're playing the woman card. Yeah, I was, I was playing the damsel in distress <laughs> card. It didn't work for me. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Harsh. All right. So, so that's when I learned, so I had to sit in a holding cell for about 18 hours, bailed myself out $3,000, mm-hmm. got, got a lawyer for 5,000, but I, my case got dismissed. So that just only took two months. And I, I would spend that and also turning 35 last May, mm-hmm. I, I went on a four day bender turning 35. Uh, I really, I, I really embraced my age. I'm learning to embrace my age now, but I think obviously the drugs made me so tired that I was like, I'm getting older, but it's like, no shit, Sherlock, stop using drugs and start taking care of yourself. You could feel 
you know, you could feel great at 35. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I mentally, I feel great at 35. Um, physically I'm getting there. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just taking time, like sitting on our asses in rehab. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm just starting to work out again. I feel really good. I have my gym membership back, but now, um, the, I would say the turning point, you know, I don't need to go through the progression, but basically got arrested then in March, went on a bender in May, you know, obviously it's summertime, got to get fucked up every single day in the summertime, like still doing, but, but, but the money started dwindling. The money started dwindling because the amount of Coke started increasing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I still had clients, but I was too tired to like. Right. Canceling like, appointments. Or... Canceling appointments. But like they, no one ever stopped with me. I just stopped asking like, do you want to renew your right. services? Like I stopped caring. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It was, oh my God, Omar. And then um, basically it kept going on, kept going on. My parents had no idea. And then finally in October, uh, yeah, finally in October, it just, it just got to the point where it was like all the time. And one day, October 20, uh, October like 20th, I think is, or 19th, 19th or 20th is when I was up at 5 AM. Like I would just do Coke for no reason. Do you know what I mean? Like it became to the point, like it's not even like a Friday night. It's like a Tuesday night and be like, well, what are you doing on Friday? Well, Friday, we're just, we're going to party right here. Him and I were using together. We were using together. And, um, it, you know, the, the, uh, the turning point was just, October 19th or 20th like that. I was, you know, I was up at fucking 4 a.m. And I texted my sister, can you come here? I was, I was fucked up. Obviously I was like, can you come here? Yep. So literally two days later, I think it was a day later or two days later, she just got on a plane and she came with my aunt, my favorite aunt. And my sister was like, I'm not leaving Austin until you come back with us. Yep. Like, you know, cause I, I went to rehab in Philly first and, uh, my guy, uh, stayed back in the apartment. He packed up everything, got them over to come, whatever. So he handled all of that. And uh, we just needed that break. Like we, we both, it was just, it just got to the point where it was like, it, it was just bad. I'm sure, I mean, I know you know what I'm talking about. It was just like, it needs to just end. It just, it, like there needs to be something. And I like to say that that voice, and I want your listeners to hear this, when you get that voice in your head that's telling you to get help, or it's like, reach out to this person. Like, like when I heard that voice in my head that said, text your sister, Text Pallavi. Pallavi is my sister's name. Text Pallavi. Like, I literally got my phone and I said, can you come here? That was it. And she came. And I, I resisted it. You know, I was like, I was like, I don't need to come. I could just go to rehab here. She's like, no, you need to be where family is right now. Like, we, we need to be like 20 minutes away from the rehab place. We're not going to be flying to Austin. Like, you need to be, you know what I mean? So she was just, man, my sister's not like me. She's very soft in her approach of delivery, but she's fucking scary. That's my older sister. So, like, I'm not going to mess with her. And, like, I, I, I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to not go back with her because I, I couldn't. I couldn't see her get upset. And so another thing that, that I really want your listeners to know is, like, I did not go into rehab for myself. So what I mean by that is sometimes even when you don't want to go for yourself, if, even if you go for your kids or your family or, you know, whatever, if that's the reason that you're going to get your foot in the door into rehab, do it. It doesn't matter why you do it. Just get in there. You know what I mean? Um, I went in there for her. I stayed with an open mind for me because I was like, shit, I'm here. Got to get help. You know, I did not know what I was getting into when I went to rehab. Oh, my God. Like, we had curfew. We had this. We, I mean, we had to smoke underneath the gazebo. You know, like, we had our little smoking section in the rehab. Like, it was just, like, all these things. I mean, like, ugh. And I met all sorts of people. I, I had never been around so many heroin addicts in my life. Like, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> that's a I'm huge, like, that's a huge crisis, man. Yeah, the opium, yeah. the, I mean, the opiate and the heroin and all that. It's bad. The I know. fentanyl and the oxys and yeah, this. It's, exactly. it's all I, the opiates. I, since I've left rehab in Philly, uh, I can count 
10 people that I that I knew, like not just like I knew them, but like I knew them, like people that yep. I lived with, people that I lived died. with, all, all dead, all dead. Yep. And I mean, like I've become so immune to death. It's sad. Yep. Like I, like uh, Jake, his name was Jake, uh, two two weeks ago. Like he was one of my closest, but he was way younger than me. He's such a good kid. He really started working the program. He had a sponsor. I mean, like he was. So, I was like, oh, he's he's gonna do great. Boom. He took what he went to go visit the stupid ex of his and Cali. She she gave him a shot of dope. He died on the spot. Yep. And I'm like, okay. Like I literally, I have no emotion. I just have don't have any emotion anymore when it comes to people dying. It's sad, but. Because it's it's such a reality. You can't get wrapped up in it. You cannot yeah. get wrapped up in it. You have to defend yourself best you can. We are very emotional people, right? Our our level of emotion, our, our emotional connections are like a 10x. So when we yeah. love, we love a 10x. When we're depressed, we're a 10x. You know, when we're excited, we're a 10x. Which is why that that whole like like you were talking about, right? That flat line, which is not really a flat yeah. line. It's just this little. We don't want to be doing this shit. I have you know? to be there. Right. I, I have to stay there. We all do. Because, we all do. Um, I, uh, I just want to say one, one thing. Yesterday I was talking to my dad. My, my dad has bipolar disorder too, actually, but he's, he's in his 60s. He got diagnosed later. He's really, he has very, very, very spiritual connection with God. He's, he's a very calm guy. So I, I just launched my podcast and it, it just got approved on iTunes. And I had my dad... But it just got approved today. Something happened where I told my dad to listen to the first episode. And I guess because it wasn't fully loaded on iTunes or whatever, the sound was distorted. And it sounded like... Oh, I thought you were high. Yep. So basically he thought I was on a bunch of whatever. And he's saying to me, what is this? What's going on? I'm like, what are you talking about? And like, we had the biggest, I had the biggest blowout that I've had in six months yesterday with my father. And like him and I were going, he was like, why do you sound like you're on drugs? I go, what are you talking about? I was like, because I couldn't hear it. On my end, it sounded fine. On his end, it sounded distorted. Anyway, he blew up. I blew up. And then I cried. And then he cried and then we both hung up on each other and then he texted me I, I, I'm so sorry I hope this doesn't ruin and then I picked up the phone I go we're good I go but I go this is the first blow up I've had in six months which I would say is a celebration <laughs> because I have not I have not gotten that upset yeah. in, in so long but it, it and we just no my point is you guys we talked about it he was like what got you so upset I go I felt really like misunderstood I felt like I was being accused of something that I didn't do with, by the way, it goes back to childhood, right? It all goes back. All to goes back to childhood. All goes. Back all, to childhood. I mean, like all if you don't look at your relationship with your parents and your childhood, you are fucked because everything, every, if you ever wonder why you feel the way you do or react the way you do, it all goes back to childhood. Yep. And like, you got to go to the root. And that's always my thing with people is like, you know, how do I, how do I really figure out who I am and whatever? Like you've got to go back to the root. Like you have to. But you don't want to like hang out there forever. You know what I mean? You just you want to go back at the knowledge that you need to move on with your life to to make better choices. So, yeah, that's that's where I am. And so here I am six, uh, six months later, almost. Well, here's what here's what I want to know. Just just to kind of tap into it. Where were you in your life? Right. And where was as far as the drug use or not drug use or whatever? When you were doing when you were the lifetime well, life lifestyle expert, on NBC's Kansas City Live and the anger management co- coach, I, I, we got we're both saying coke all the time. Anger management yeah, I, coach, I, Jesus, stuck to me too. On VH1, <laughs> tell me about that, those timelines and what what was going on in that moment. I was married. I was when I was in Kansas. Ah, and I, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Ah, okay. So, so you were you were towing the line because of your husband. 
my husband kept me sober. Gotcha, gotcha. Makes yep. sense. Totally makes sense. Okay, so so for all the de- this is all going on, coaching practices kicking ass. You're married. Yep. You're, everything's going good, and you're miserable. Still miserable. Yeah, seven yep. years, and um, up until I went to rehab, my business was doing great. Like that's so, the thing. Even though I was. Go ahead. So, so that's the scary part is what I'm trying to say. Up until rehab, this past October, my business was doing great. I was in that relationship with that guy. My business was still doing great. Money started dwindling, obviously, like right before rehab. Like I would say two, three months before rehab, money started dwindling. And I was like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? And I don't want to do this anymore because I was using all this coke. And I was like, oh, my God, this must not be the right career path. But I'm a functional addict. I'm a high-functioning addict. You would look at me and not think anything is wrong because everything on the outside is okay. That's why I started this interview by saying everything on the outside, you know what I mean, was looking good. And and it's really funny. I got to tell you something. Just coming out of sober living, I had a twin-size bed. I had two two drawers, (laughs) and I had like half a closet, and I was happy. Yeah. And here I have my own master bedroom. I, I'm, I actually rented a room in a house. Uh, I, have, I have a master bedroom. I have my private bath here, and I have access to the patio. So we are we are upgrading little by little. You know what I mean? <laughs> but God wants me to do it slowly, man. Right. He wants me to do it slowly. He doesn't want me to go from zero to 100 again. Not but happening. Here's, here's uh, what I'm also curious, too, is, you know, you've been doing the coaching for how long? Seven years. Okay. So you're married. You're coaching, right? You're coaching people. As a life coach, as a lifestyle coach, as a business yeah, coach, yeah. as what? Yeah, both, both. Because I was, as I was building my business and seeing results, that's when I started helping people on their businesses. In the beginning, it was more mindset. Okay, so here's the thing. Like this is where the this is where I'm the most curious, right? In recovery, we get so much when we sponsor people, when we mentor people. It's about being of service, regardless of whether you're charging somebody or not. You're being mm-hmm. of service. You're helping yep. people. Not only that, you're helping them transform their lives. So that exchange that happens is that filling, is that fulfillment yes. that we get. Yeah. Why wasn't that? Have you been able to identify why that wasn't the fulfillment that you needed? Like, fuck the marriage. You know what I mean? Like, we all know yeah. that marriages come and go, right? And But there is that. It's all about that fulfilling experience. Why wasn't that enough? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why right now. It would, listen, when I would get off the phone, like I guess I, when I was talking to a client or if I was mm-hmm. doing an interview like this, like this is also being of service, right? Because I'm sharing a story that of could course. possibly help somebody, yeah, right? Is- so, but, but what would happen, all the stuff that I told you about that I was doing, like going to the gym, taking care of myself, eating right, having my connection with God, I yeah. wasn't doing any of it. I, I wasn't doing uh, any of it. That's why. That's what was missing. What was missing was me. Your connection, your connection yeah. with the universe. Yes. Yeah. That, and I, that's and what I, it was. And I use the word universe, ladies and gentlemen, to be as PC as possible. Because for us, for me, it's God. I think for you, it's God. Yep. Right? So there is, that, there is that, that element of spirituality. But I will call it the universe. I'll call it whatever you need to. But I'm, I mean, it's the reason why I ask the question. Right? Because no matter what's going on in your life, there is something that's so much greater than we are. Right? There's something that uh, outside of us that is guiding us along in this journey. And when we choose to disconnect from that and we go into self-service mode, right? that's when the fear yeah. comes in. That's when well, we're yeah, dominated that, by fear. That, 
and that's the thing. So being codependent, right? In my business, I you I was helping clients. That made me feel good. Yeah. I was in a relationship to make me feel good. Right. I, it was always about other me. people about me. making me feel yeah, good. But right. guess what? I am powerless over people. Right. So why would I use people to make me feel makes good when sense. I am powerless over people? <laughs> makes know? sense. No, it makes so, a lot of sense. And now where I'm at in my business, you know, I just started a podcast. It's called Being Human with Vasavi. And uh, I'm very, very, very excited. I actually just got approved on iTunes. I haven't, I have, I've had one or two clients that have come out of rehab. If someone wants to come work with me, they can on their businesses. But right now I'm just working on some creative projects. Uh, the podcast being a huge one for me because it's just really my ability to just be clear in what I share and what I talk about. Because I know I have a lot to share that can help a lot of people. So that's what I'm doing right now. And um, So real quick, since we're there. Uh, if our listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to contact you and find you? I would say, well, first of all, you can always go to my website at vasavikumar.com. I'll have that um, on the show notes, guys. I'm accessible. So if you want to email me, it's vasavi at vasavikumar.com. That's it. So it's really simple. And give us a, tell us a little bit about being human with Vasavi. Tell us a little bit about what that, what that looks like, what that sounds like. So it's a, it's a, it's a rigorously honest show about um, kind of what, you know, why you are the way you are and uh, why you think the way you think, why you feel the way you feel and what you can do, what you can do to manage all of it while staying grounded and connected, right? It's, it's really about like, you know, I, uh, first episode is about asking for what you want. Why do we struggle so much with asking for what you want? We go up, we go about things in the most roundabout way because we don't know how to ask for what we want. But why don't we know what, like how, like, what is it that's stopping us? So it's like, I take, it's like Seinfeld plus spirituality plus psychology, right? Like, you know how Seinfeld always talked about, like, you know, or just on his show, it was just like about like the littlest things. Yes. Like, it's just like the littlest thing. But then like, but why do we act that way? You know what I mean? Like my whole thing is when you know yourself inside and out, you can do anything. And I think the reason why I kind of really screwed my life up for a bit was because I knew myself, but I didn't know my higher power. It was like, I knew myself, like my addict side. I didn't know my true self because I wasn't connected to my higher power. If that makes sense. Like we have multiple sides to ourselves, but if, if we don't connect to the, to the one that wants to see us flourish, we're, we're, you know, it, 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 we can be doomed. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. I knew that addict side of myself so well, but that beautiful, calm, serene part of Vasavi, the honest Vasavi that, you know what I mean? Like that kind, compassionate, soft, you know, I, I lost touch with her. I lost touch with her. I really did. And uh, drugs will fuck you up, man. Like I know you know this, like, it, it will. Don't do drugs. I you know, don't. they say cocaine is a hell of a drug. It is, it is a hell of a drug. And you know what? Like I was making a joke the other day. I was like, I go, you know, I love cocaine and cocaine loves me, but we, we just, we just have to not be together. Yes. Like, I understand that dysfunctional relationship. Well, yeah, that it was, is, my, it that is was my jam. really dysfunctional. Yeah. I mean, like I'd be lying if I said, I didn't think, I mean, you know, yesterday when I got into that argument with my dad, it's we're, we're good now, but like that anger that I experienced, oh, yeah. self that, that, that would have been the reason why I texted my drug yep. dealer six months ago. hundred percent. Like, yeah. So that's, he was worried. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to watch Netflix and go to sleep. Relax. Like, I'm okay. I know but how to I handle it. I get that. I get that yeah. feeling of like, oh my God, I should drive over there and check on her. You know, yeah. I get that yeah. feeling. I get that feeling. All right. So um, when are you going to have me on your show? You have guests or do you go, are you oh, go my, solo? Uh, no, 
I would I would love to have you as a guest. I I need to figure out the technology wise if we can do it like this as audio. Like I have no idea. So if you want to tell oh, me how to do it, awesome. I will. Awesome! This is great. So right now the podcast is just you. Yeah. I love it. Uh, okay. So you, okay, I'll help you. I'll help you. Not a problem. Why is that bad? I like me. I I can talk for hours by myself. I God bless you. All right. As soon really? as I turn on the mic by myself, I. Oh no! That oh, shit happens. I actually rented out a room in the library. It was free. And I, I said, because I'm bipolar, you forget. I have that brain. So when I channel that brain into a topic, I can go from like boop, 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 and come right back to the point. All right. So well, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll, show, I'll show you how to do this. I'll show you. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's easy and it's cheap. All right. So. And you know what? It's 12 to, I'm only doing 12 to 15 minute episodes. Uh, okay. And those are great. Those are yeah. people, people love the 12 to 15 minute episodes. And obviously if we go over, like, I don't want to go any more over 27 minutes. So 27 No, it's got to be quick. It's got to be rapid yeah. fire. So it's got to be specific. It's got to be specific. Yeah. All right. All right. So that's good. That's good. All right. So guys, you got all this information will be on the show notes, right? Um, uh, Vasavi Kumar, she'll ha- I'll have her show notes uh, rocking and rolling. So go to the share podcast. All right. So let's start winding now. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So what I like to do is... Um, I like to close up for the newcomers. So I'm going to ask you five questions about your early recovery, and I want you to respond, which you're in right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want you to respond with inspiring answers you can share with our newcomers. Are you ready? Yes. Let's rock and roll. So number one, what was keeping you from getting clean or staying clean when you first got introduced to recovery? Uh, I felt like I had no control over all my things like I had a, I, it was like things it was like I was very attached to my things and my, and my things. dog yeah. uh-huh. and my car and I was like what do I do with all like I had to manage I all that it. I hadn't lost anything technically material things so I didn't want to let it go I want to stop there for a moment because I think I've asked this well I have I've asked this question 150 times over right over 160 times right and this is the first time this has come up but it's always on the underlying right it's like what do I do with all my shit Mm-hmm. right like i'm so concerned with all my stuff my external <laughs> stuff yeah but it's so yeah. true right it's like oh but wait a minute but i got my business and i, I i've got my wife and i got my family they don't want nothing to do with you you need yeah. to just you need to stop you need yeah. to stop yep. and 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 you need to stop that's the that's it just, just focus stop. on what like actually yeah i know it's bullshit i'm i'm, I'm ridiculous i get oh, it i love it <laughs> All right, so that uh, let's talk about your aha moment, okay? So at what point did you have that spiritual awakening, that aha moment in recovery when you accepted that you were powerless over drugs and alcohol but for the first time had developed the hope that you could recover? It was probably 60 days into recovery. I don't know. It must have been something. Some, you know, one of our counselors said to us, I, I don't know the moment. I, I just know, for me, I, I don't have light bulb moments, Omar. Like, it's literally, like, little by little by little by little, because I have such an open mind, and I have such willingness to learn. It's like, I, I, I'm sorry, it wasn't, it wasn't one big light bulb moment. But I will say to your listeners, if you keep an open mind, keep that open mind, um, and you just keep open every day. You'll, I, I have epiphanies every fucking day. And like, that's, I would rather like, like, that's just how I do life is that I have epiphanies every day. I'm learning every day, something about myself. I, I, I didn't have that light bulb moment. Next question. <laughs> well, you kind of did, right? Oh, I did? You kind of did. All right. Well, right. and I would call right. that, a, I would call that a, a white light moment. That moment where you had that thought, that moment of clarity that came I in. See, I was, 
okay. I thought I thought you were saying in rehab. That was it's, before. Well, rehab. yeah, that's fine. But 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 you know, you had that that voice in your head. Yeah. Right. Okay. Fine. I take it back. Yeah. And it's clear, right? Like at that moment, you recognize what it is now. Back then, it was yeah. just like this voice came in and you acted. You took action. Right, so you're too busy taking action to kind of like sit and resonate with it, or kind of, kind of, kind of like go back in time and kind of analyze it. But the truth of the moment is, we have these all the time. It's this little tiny voice, right, that says, "Why don't you try this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you move in this direction?" Mm-hmm. And it's just fleeting and it's fast. And if you don't act on it, 15 seconds later, it's gone, right? And so I like to bring awareness to it because it happens to all of us. It's that fleeting thought that comes in and you need to take action on it. I agree. Correct, Amundo. All right, so number three. Number three, what what is your favorite book that you read either in early recovery or maybe one of your favorite books that you would recommend to our listeners that you feel had the most impact in your life? Uh, The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. Scott M. Peck. Yeah, that is a very... I have it on 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 my shelf. It's a very, very... Um, recommended book. It's wonderful. Road yeah. Less Traveled. All right, number four. What is the best suggestion you have ever received? Breathe. <laughs> for, for real. I'm sorry. That's for real. That's great. How many of us, like, like, literally that came to my head, like, breathe. Like, I okay. could think of everything, but like, breathe, boss. It's our breath that gives us life. It's true. When we're not breathing, we're dead. No, it's uh, it's it's a hundred percent true. Breathe. It's like, ha- honestly, when when you're when you guys listening, when you're fucking feeling chaotic or anxious or angry, just breathe. Pause and breathe. How about yeah. that? Just pause, pause, and then breathe. I'm telling you, it helps. Like, I'm simple in my way of doing things because I already complicate things. I have to keep it simple. Okay. So then, if you if you could give our newcomers only one suggestion, what would that be? With every single person that you surround yourself with and the, or the people that you had in your life previously, you have to ask yourself if they're actually helping you like grow. If, they're, if they are enhancing your life or they are dragging you down. And if you don't know how to know, like if you don't know how to figure out whether they're helping you grow or not, just like next time you're around somebody, just pay attention to how you feel in your body. Like, do you feel like uplifted, do you feel like good or do you feel like, fuck, this person's bringing me down? You know, like, you know that feeling, you just don't listen to it, right? Like, you just got to listen to it. Like, I could tell right away when I'm around somebody, feel their energy, I'm like, fuck, they're bringing me down. Like, I don't like your energy. Luckily, I've done enough work internally that I could, I have a barrier <laughs> between me and people. So even if you have a shitty attitude or a shitty uh, vibe, I could, I could put a huge wall between, but I'll still be kind. I'm still kind. I'm just not going to take on your shit. Right. That's because we are very empathetic. We are empath. So for the newcomers, the people that you surround yourself with is going to make you or break you. So if you are trying to stay sober, then I suggest that you like really think twice about the people that you're texting, the people that you're calling, the people that you're hanging out with. Um, and, 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 if, and if they're still using, get rid of them. I'm sorry. Get rid of them because they do not they're not going to do anything for your life. If they're using drugs in any shape or form, get rid of them. And um, if 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 you're spending the majority of your time uplifting their 
deadbeat asses. I'm sorry. You need to be focusing on yourself. Nobody wants to say that, right? Now, us addicts, are we are very good people. Nobody wants to say that. But if you are a loser and a deadbeat and you are mediocre and you have no goals in life, I want to have nothing to do with you. I will love you from afar. And you need to have that attitude, especially as a newcomer. And even me being six months, only six months, I still think that way. And I've never thought that way in my life because I, I'm quote unquote nice. I'm nice, right? But guess what? Nice doesn't get you anywhere. Nice gets you in deadbeat situations. It lands you in jail and it lands you in rehab. But nice is also codependent. So, you know. Yeah, nice yeah. is also codependent. I'll tell you this. I am not nice at all. Actually, if, if, if people knew what I was thinking, I don't think I'd actually have any friends. I really don't have any friends and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having like my relationship with myself. You know, I have my family members. I have like one or two people that I connect with and that's it. That's all I need. I don't need a ton of people in my life. I have me and I have God and that's it. I'm my own best friend. Actually, today I was like, God, I wish I could clone myself. I was thinking that. <laughs> but I can't, right? I can't. But I don't need to clone myself. I have me. So newcomers become really, really close with yourself. Yes. I, I you know, I, I, I know going into the rooms and having, a, I get all of it and that's important, but you need to become best friends with yourself. So, so you don't latch on to people just because you're lonely. Correct. You need to be okay with sitting by yourself in your bedroom, by yourself or wherever, and be okay with yourself and be happy with yourself. It's not going to be easy at first, though. I'm not going to lie, but you, you can do it. You are the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with, Jim Rohn. Yeah. That's truth. Yeah. So, And it's only five. You don't need more than that. Yep. Right? You can be number six. All right. Vasavi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Omar. I'm like tired. I, I, I gave you all I got, dude. I gave you. I gave it all. I gave it all. Uh, you know what? You know what? I'll be. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I felt the energy come down. Yeah. I felt the energy I as well, on the closing questions. I felt the energy come down. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to say anything, but since you brought it up, I'll just yeah. say like right as we got to the end to the closing question, I go, Wow, oh, I lost her. Right. No, 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 no. no. Oh I, didn't, I didn't. No, no. I didn't no, lose you. I didn't lose you, but I could feel like you'd given me. You gave yep. 110. You gave 110, right? And it was like, all right, at the hour mark, at the hour mark, it went. Phew. So it must have been an hour but, that you but had. This is a, no, listen, this is a learning lesson. You got to choose wisely where you give your energy to. I don't have to talk to anybody for the rest of the day. I'm just going to my shrink after this and I can yeah. just sit there. So this is, I'm tapped out. because I wanted to give you my all. Back in the day, I would have had four podcast interviews in a row. Oof. You know that? No wonder I needed drugs. I do one no. podcast interview a week. I don't even do two podcasts a That's, week. It's a lot. Did you it just is hear a, it's, a, it's between the two of us. It's a lot, right? And I've learned, you learn, you, it's, it's, a, it's a learning process. Because I used to do about, two or three in a week and I'd be like, I can't do anything else. Oh okay. my God. So imagine doing these plus having like 25 clients. You wonder why I needed drugs all the time. And now no, I'm like, fuck yeah, that. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, talking to lot. you today and rest of my life is unpacking my boxes and that just involves me you know like i could have fun with doing that well go get so. some knee take a little quick nap go see your doctor and then later you can do some more you're unpacking. sweet thank you <laughs> thank you so much all right we will talk soon all right love you take care all right and uh yeah as soon as the things- email about you being on the show I will, I will, don't, don't you worry. I will, I will email you about the being on the show. Cause I want to do this. And plus I want to show you how to do all this. Thank you. That's sweet of you. You got it, sweetheart. <laughs> Bye. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot to say the most important thing. What? We have not reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, pura vida. Give us a pura vida. 
Wait, you live in Costa Rica? Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Oh, we could have hooked why up. Why are you getting so excited about me being in Costa Rica? I yeah, was like, I thought you knew that. No, I think I, I think I did when I read about you back then. Okay, whatever you Thank you for joining us on the Share Recovery Podcast. To check out the show notes page on this interview or to thank our guests for sharing their story, go to www.thesharepodcast.com. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter to stay up to date on the latest news, podcasts, and interviews. Want to be one of our guests and share your story? Then go to our website and click on the Share Your Story button. We share our inspiring recovery stories every Tuesday. So subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio to get your free weekly download. We'll see you then. The opinions shared on this show reflect those of the individual speaker and not of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. And though we discuss 12-step recovery and the impact it had in our lives, we do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program.